Hello and welcome to the podcast of the Lotus Eaters for the 20th of November 2023. I am joined by Harry. Hello. And Callum. Hello. And we're going to be talking about a libertarian finally winning, which I'm very excited about. Um, Elon. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and, he got in uh, trouble. He did, yeah. He got in trouble. And uh, Pakistan Watch episode 3000. Um, I, I didn't realize we're quite deep into that series. Yeah, I left it alone for a while. Okay. So we'd pick it back up. But 2,999 episodes, Callum. You, you really. It was a good episode, strong. that one as well. Mm. It, was, it was when Carl Tommy toned it down with the anti Pakistan remarks. And then, and then we're back for you know, <laughs> a couple more. And we're, you, you, you mean we're back? Yeah. We're back. We're so back. We're so back. <laughs> it's also worth mentioning as well that um, we've got the, uh, the birthday code still available for first time signups. And you can get 33% off signing up for three months. As well as um, if you do sign up, you get 12.5% off the merch store. If you are a subscriber, there'll be a code on the homepage. I don't know how it works. Technology is quite honestly dumbfounding to me. Um, it's also worth mentioning as well, today is the day that I have spent three years at Lotus Eaters as well. So hey, why don't you let us know before? They've got party poppers or something. Well, I've thrown a bouquet a surprise, of flowers at you. I also didn't want it to be a big deal. I mean, it's, it's been well, the third birthday. It's a big deal. Oh, thank you. Don't Harry. sell yourself so short. I, I can always count on you, can't I? I mean, I've been over. I've been here for over two years, as of nine days ago. So wait, no, actually, nine days and a month ago. Okay, <laughs> bit of a difference. Excuse my partial retardation. Callum's always been here. Part of the crew. Left. Part of the ship. Part <laughs> of the crew. Part of the ship. <laughs> right. I think we do ha actually have a podcast to get on with, don't we? Um, Must we? I suppose so. It's actually quite a good one this time. So, I'm. I'm looking forward to getting into it. So a libertarian has finally won an election. I never thought I'd see this day, and I'm very happy as someone who is one. Uh, I've, uh, I've an election? Out, uh, an election, yes. Yeah, okay. Just clearing that up for everyone. <laughs> what, what was that, Harry? <laughs> Excuse me? But um, yes, um, Javier Millet has become the president of Argentina, and... Uh, I'm very pleased about it because there are lots of um, promising things that he's said and he's furthering the ideas, which, particularly in Britain, are not really banded about very much. And hopefully this will allow it to be mainstream, especially if it works. So what I'm kind of excited to see and why it's interesting, and I know there will be people saying, why do you care about Argentinian politics, especially as a British person, Josh? What are you, what are you doing? Why are you wasting our time? And to you, I say, afuera! That's that's all I've got to say. I don't speak taco, mate. I don't. You, you... <laughs> Harry knows what I'm on about. I do know what you're on about. We've covered mm -hmm. this guy a little bit before in the run up to the election. Mm -hmm. um, I'm given what he's been talking about with abolishing so many government departments. We're going to be talking about all uh, of his some, uh, future policies soon enough. Some people are surprised that he wasn't. Yeah. In in the run up to this, but the I will old, say. The, uh, <laughs> Uh, I, yeah. I'm not that surprised as he said that he's going to be incredibly pro-US and incredibly pro-Israel. So mm -hmm. if you say those two things in the run-up to an election, that's a pretty sure guarantee that you at least won't be Epstein. Mm. So he's, um, the, the reason that I'm interested mainly is that it's a good point at which you can prove Austrian economic principles to the world. That's one thing I would like to see because, of course, a lot of people who criticize it say, oh, you know, it, it works in theory, perhaps, or, you know, it, they may have had some lucky guesses about predicting the future repeatedly 
in, in multiple instances, which um, you know would be considered evidence in most other areas. But um, it's just not been tried in government. We don't know what's going to happen. And of course, it could be interfered with um, internationally. Um, people won't want it to work because it might interfere with an economic system in which they stand to benefit a lot. And I would quite also like to see the kind of people that are, are going to come out and say, this guy's terrible, look at him, he's giving people freedom and he's trying to reduce taxes, how evil and bad. I want these people flushed out, I want to know who they are, and I think they uh, need to be out in the open and exposed to the world for the horrible people that they are. And um, I like the idea that it's going to legitimise libertarian ideas, as a libertarian myself, as well as it's, it's going to make the left very angry, and uh, that's always nice. I, I enjoy a bit of uh, leftist salt. Well, on, on what you're talking about there, that it will legitimize libertarian ideas, what I'm really interested in with this whole story, now that he's been elected, is it kind of operates as a large-scale experiment for the world That's to look That's what I at, have in mind, yeah. Which is that, one, it can test how viable it is to implement these policies at all within a modern political system, whether the departments that already exist within a government state will allow you to flush them out and remove them and clear them out. And two if he is able to implement the policies that he does, we'll be able to see their direct effects on the rest of the world. Obviously, we'll have to look at potential contingencies from mm -hmm. pressure groups and other governments across the uh, geopolitical sphere, like America, whether they'll interfere in anything. But if he gets to do things like he is saying that he will do, we'll get to see their direct effects and be able to judge them from there. Absolutely. So Argentina is obviously facing lots of big problems. That's part of the reason why... Um, Peronism in Argentina was rejected and uh, his rival Massa, who I believe is a, a lefty, um, was seen as be, being part of the problem basically and that's how he won quite resoundingly actually. So let's have a look at their inflation rate. Um, just over the course of this year, it went from 98% in January to 142% in October, which is massive. And um, it's a lot worse than that as well because uh, if you look at the IMF's biggest debtors, you may notice a massive Argentinian slice of that pie. Um, in fact, it's more than Ukraine, it's more than Egypt, it's more than some of the sort of narco states like Ecuador, Colombia, um, even Pakistan, a bit of foreshadowing there uh, for the third segment. But um, yes, they're not in a good place economically, and that's the main problem, and although there are and also... even against countries that are actively in war right now. Yes. And so clearly there's been economic mismanagement here because Argentina should be doing well. I mean, um, you go back to the 1980s, people used to talk about them being a potential superpower because of their large amount of land, lots of natural resources, their position in the world, as in geographically. And yeah, that obviously didn't happen. And I think this might be a good reason for that. Just absolute um, communist mismanagement or... Well, I suppose it's, that's the intended consequence of communism, isn't it? So I wanted to go to some videos. Um, if you could go to those, John, let's have a look at what he's like as a person. And um, these are, quite frankly, fantastic. I, it, it's nice to see. It's going to be the best clips. Yes. Just the best bits of. These are the best clips, um, some of the best clips of politics in, in the world. And uh, here we go. Zurdos, hijos de puta, tiemblen. La libertad avanza. ¡Viva la libertad, carajo! ¡Vamos! He's, he's telling left-wingers to be afraid. Could you imagine a, a right-wing politician in Britain 
saying that? Would it ever happen? Yeah, there's a reason that he's been described as the South American Trump, is mm-hmm. that he does have that bigger-than-life personality. He does, yeah, and he's he done years and years and of, of TV um, like debates and things like that where he would call people names, and to be fair, most of them deserved it, um, in my opinion. I mean, he's, he's debating left-wingers. Like, I'm not going to go clutching any pearls at the, oh, no, the TV-talking heads. Mm-hmm. Somebody think of their feelings. I know, and this is one of the most iconic ones, and uh, I know many people have seen this already, so we're only going to have one more video, but um, he, he is like the human personification of how 4chan speaks. I, I don't, I, I'm looking at you, Callum. Good. Um, that's good news. If I remember, that's what I look for. If I remember correctly, this has some appropriately South American exaggerated zoom-ins on people's faces, <laughs> so you really see the shock. Sort of oblivion NPC dialogues, yeah. Right. Yeah, a little bit. Let's go. Al zurdo de mierda no le podés dar ni un milímetro. ¿Me puedes definir zurdo de mierda? Que no Todos lo los que, digamos, los colectivistas, <risa> los que ponen, digamos, o sea, esa idea. A ver, ¿Por qué le pones de mierda, digamos? Porque son una mierda. O sea, vos me si, clas... No, pero, pero es que si pensás descalificado... distinto te van, a, te van a aniquilar. Ese es el punto. Es decir, vos al zurdo no le podés dar un milímetro. Porque le das un milímetro y lo tomas para destrozarte. Es decir, usa, digo, o sea, vos no podés negociar con el zurdo. No se negocia. No se negocia. Con esa mierda no se negocia porque te van a llevar puesto. Si tienen un golpeador que caga trompadas a la mujer, digamos, si es de ellos, ¿entendés? Se pone el, el pañuelito verde y grita todo el tiempo contra el neoliberalismo, lo ocultan. ¿Me entendés? O sea, si de repente hay alguien que acosó a otra, a una, un periodista que acosó a otra periodista, lo ocultan. Es decir, a todos los de ellos lo ocultan. Todas esas aberraciones la ocultan. Ahora, si vos estás del otro lado, a vos te van a estropear, te van a matar, te van a dar con lo que sea. No les importa arruinarte la vida. ¿Por qué? Porque no pensás como ellos. ¿Y sabes qué es lo bueno de todo esto? Hay algo bueno de todo esto. Porque como el error es humano, como todos nos podemos equivocar, ¿sabes qué nos obliga? Nos obligan a ser mejores. Y como estamos siendo tan mejores con ellos, como los estamos aplastando en la batalla cultural, los estamos pasando de arriba, porque no solo le ganamos en lo productivo, somos superiores moralmente, somos superiores estéticamente, somos mejores en todo. Y les duele, les duele. Entonces, como no pueden pelear con las herramientas legítimas, se apalancan en el aparato represivo del Estado, poniendo torres de guita para hacernos mierda. Y aún así no pueden, no pueden. Tuvieron que bajar la nota. Tuvieron que bajar la nota. ¿Me entendés? Que están perdiendo. Están desesperados. Están perdiendo la batalla cultural. Los zurdos de mierda. Por primera vez se ven acorralados. Los zurdos de mierda. <risa> You've got to admire his enthusiasm. You have, yeah. Um, perhaps stronger language than I would have perhaps used, but... Um... You know, he's, he's hammering you the point. He won in an election, so it obviously it, worked. Yeah, well, I guess so. Um, he does raise some good points there that I actually didn't think of. Um, the main one being that by the left applying, you know, their standards unevenly, it's made the right tougher. And now we're better than them. And I think we certainly are. Well, he, he's certainly done what a lot on the right are unwilling to do, which is state outright and recognize in the first place that you cannot play fair with people who are actively trying to kill you. And yeah, I'm, I'm completely done with that. And all of the ministries that he is going to look to abolish, all of the different government departments, have to be completely cut out and excised, purely because of the fact they were put in place by leftists to serve 
left-wing interests. They are there. So it's the patronage scheme. We start this department, we fill it with our friends who will continue to do what we want to make sure in a Blairist sort of way that if we don't get into power anymore, if we're out of power, to make sure that these people will uh, completely lock in any future governments so that Mm -hmm. they have to do what we put them in place for. But he's saying, well, we just need to get rid of all of that. Mm -hmm. And it's like the conservatives should have done, which is why, once again, I'm going to approach with some skepticism to see if it is even possible. I would like to see it. To yeah. do what he is saying that he wants. But what's, what's great here is that lots of the time people say, oh, but libertarianism is impotent to you know, leftist subversion. Well, not if you have this attitude, it's not. And this is my kind of approach to it of, yeah, if they want to take away my money, my rights, I don't care about them. I'm going to destroy them politically. I, I'm more than happy to do that. No sympathy. It ruins their life, so be it. They deserve it. They want to take my stuff. They want to take my freedom. Well, they absolutely deserve what's coming to them. And I think he's right to be angry. And Callum, you're looking a little bit scared. I just kind of find it funny that <laughs> we look at this uh, foreign country that should have its own norms and everything else. Mm-hmm. And it's just an Anglosphere discussion from like 2008. But without is, yeah. any of the mass immigration stuff, mm-hmm. same sort of populism in the sense of, hey, leftists, go eat S. But... It's a, in a foreign place. You'd expect something more than that, but it's like, no, you guys are just us back then. Where you could talk about <laughs> economics instead of having to constantly talk about, like, I don't know, people invading your country instead. So I kind of like it. It's mm-hmm. cute. <laughs> it's cute. <laughs> I think you're the only person who's watched that video and said, oh, that's cute. I don't know. I'm kind of a woman sometimes when it comes to stuff. Like, <laughs> oh, he wants to get rid of all the leftists in weird ways. Cool. Uh, He's so sentimental, Callum. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it'd be worthwhile just talking about some of his policies in a sort of quickfire way. So it is worth mentioning as well that um, the legislature is a restriction on the president in a a similar sort of manner to lots of other countries. And he will need support from other parties to achieve what he's set out to do. It may well happen. I think he's got a sort of um, soft alliance with some of the conservatives, at least, because many of his um, views are socially conservative. Some of them are certainly not, though. It is worth adding. But I wanted is to go through. Right. Oh, is hasn't he been involved in tantric sex cults? Not in a. It wasn't a cult, but um, he, he's, oh, he's done makes... some degenerate stuff. Yes, of course. Of course. All right. He's they a libertarian. He, I was going to yeah. say he couldn't be a libertarian if he hadn't. What can I say? Self-deprecation. Less. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I wanted to list off all of the ministries that he wants to abolish because um, this makes me happy just hearing it out loud. Ministry of Sport and Tourism, Ministry of Culture, Ministry of the Environment and Sustainable Development, Ministry of Women, Gender and Diversity, Ministry of Public Works, Ministry of Science, Technology and Innovation, Ministry of Labour, Employment and Social Security, Ministry of Education, Ministry of Transport, Ministry of Health, Ministry of Social Development. I mean, he could go a touch further, in my opinion, but, you know, it's a start. And uh, this is great as well. It's going to make me so happy. Like, people are going to be saying, oh, how is the society going to function if the government's not doing all these things? Well, if you need the government to sort your life out for you, do all these things for you, you're a loser. And you should be able to stand up on your own two feet and, you know, support yourself rather than being like, oh, daddy government, come save me. You're just wusses. Women. The well, Department of Women over there. <laughs> I think it's probably where your that's best argument is. That's insulting to women. Yeah, but that's the point. Is like you really need a department for mm-hmm. what? Women genders and diversity as well. Wait, so what? Women genders? 
not not women genders. Women, genders women, and comma, genders. Right, they haven't diversity. got to the SJW worldview yet in South well, America. Well, they're, they're somewhat getting there, I okay. think. Well, once again, I can. I, I'm not as fervently anti-government in all situations as you are. I can see it's where quite a difficult thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can see where there could be uh, a good use for one or two of these departments potentially, but I know from experience that every single one of these departments, especially something like the Ministry of Women, Genders and Diversity and the Ministry of Education, which in the clip that I was expecting you to include in this, but you haven't, where he throws, where he's going Everyone's through the board and he it, says, yeah. afuera, afuera, as he rips the government mm-hmm. departments off. Um, it, he explicitly labels the Ministry of Education, the Ministry of Indoctrination, mm-hmm. that these will all be outposts for leftism to promote leftism and to governmentally enforce it. So while I can see if there was a neutral system where everybody was actually trying to be objective and neutral and say, what's best for the country? How some of these, like the Ministry of Culture, might do well to promote cultural works and give grants to artists that wouldn't have necessarily mm-hmm. been able to have money uh, to, to succeed by themselves. But that's not how these are going to work. Mm-hmm. That's not at all how any of these are going to work. You can't really be neutral in politics because everyone brings their own biases to everything. Even in you know the world of, of scientific research, where you actually really want to be objective to find out the truth, you still you know unintentionally bring biases along that change your results. So it's a futile endeavor, and people should just be free to choose because at least then they can you know have institutions that they like rather than having to ruin it for everyone else or vice versa. But um, some other things he wants to do is slash public spending by fifteen percent. It should be more, in my opinion, but you know, it's a start. a start. Um, abolish the central bank. Oh, that's music to my ears. Switch um, the Argentinian peso to the United States dollar. That's a bit risky. I'm not too sure about this one, actually. This is one of the things that I think might actually be a bit of a downside. I know the peso has got a lot of inflation, but also then you're going to be beholden to uh, the United States Federal Reserve, which yeah, is, you know, you- freeing yourself from slavery and selling yourself to a different master which could be a mistake. If he's looking to abolish a central bank and then hook himself up to the United States dollar, he's just putting himself under the auspices of a different central bank, a yeah. foreign central mm-hmm. bank. Uh, he obviously wants to purge, purge all the leftists from the institutions. Um, he opposes abortion. Um, he opposes sex education in school. He says it's up to the parents. Um, he denies that climate change is man-made. Um, he favours looser gun control. He's... Um, said he's not going to trade with China or Brazil because he doesn't deal with communists. So uh, a lot, And he wants stronger ties to the US. You know, this all sounds like good stuff in my mind. Mm. I mean, other than maybe the, the peso, and I've got some reservations about the possibility of some of these things. I will, um, I will say one other policy of his that I've seen, well, t- two that I've seen, which I, I'm a bit iffy on, uh, one being that he said that obviously he wants to get rid of the welfare state, but mm-hmm. once he's got rid of the welfare state, he says he wants some kind of free immigration system, which is basically open borders. And he says that without the welfare state, then people won't have the same incentives to come to the country. I can see that argument, but I can see that people from foreign countries that are economically impoverished might see, if, if he does manage to turn Argentina around, even without a booming welfare, if you get a booming economy, they'll still want to come over mm-hmm. there to improve their own economic chances. So that could encourage floods of migration. I think if he does do that, that would be a mistake. Yeah. And also he's got, um, I don't know if it's complete, but he's got some policies regarding drug legalization. Mm-hmm. And I'm, oh, yeah, always, of course, to mention. I'm always very skeptical of these. But once again, if he actually goes ahead with it, it will be a useful experiment to mm-hmm. see 
the actual real world effects of these policies. Although, once again, we will need to take in potential contingencies. If he does legalize drugs, who knows, maybe the CIA will start airdropping fentanyl. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think um, it's something like that. If it is to be done, it should be done sort of incrementally and you know stopped once you get out of the area of non-addictive and non-lethal. I think the ones that are addictive and potentially lethal, you know, it shouldn't really be done recreationally, in my opinion. And, you know, I'm you know, relatively libertarian, but at the same time, something like fentanyl, something like heroin, that shouldn't be available. It's basically a poison that, you know, you can't take that recreationally. But we'll see how far he goes with any of those policies and if he's even able to commit to them without being hemmed in by mm -hmm. the system. And uh, I, I wouldn't be a British person without mentioning uh, this. Um, I, I get the impression that the Falklands are safe, um, despite weirdos reeing that he's going to take them over for some reason, just because he's a, a flamboyant speaker. But um, he was praising Margaret Thatcher, who, of course, famously oversaw um, the defense of the Falklands. And so I imagine that he wouldn't be saying that if he was bitter about us keeping the Falklands. So I get the impression, although he's not explicitly said anything either way, that they're going to be fine and we're not really going to butt heads with him, which is nice because uh, it would be a bit of a, a shame, in my opinion. But anyway, I wanted to look at uh, the mainstream media. I'm just going to fire through some headlines um, to kind of play us out here about the mainstream media getting upset about it all. And, um, you know, we have uh, our state media here calling him far-right, outsider, wins Argentinian presidential runoff election. Bit strange that they're calling him far-right. They don't call Hamas terrorists, though, do they, in their coverage? So, uh, hmm. This is the real threat to the West. Yes. Scary man wants to... Angry, shouty, hats. silly hair man. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what all leftists are scared of. If you, if you get silly hair... You'll scare leftists. That's that's a good model I must of this be story. Terrifying at the moment, too. <laughs> Just in general, really. Oh, excellent. And um, here we have the Telegraph, purportedly right-wing newspaper, hard right, and uh, Bloomberg. I'm not sure if this was intentional or just you know generic news reporting, but China congratulates Argentina's Millet um, despite assassin insult. Um, and I need some context for this. Mm -hmm. Well, he's he's saying that the Chinese might assassinate him is oh, okay. my understanding because he said he wasn't going to do any trade with them. And um, yeah, I think by reporting on this as if it's a big deal rather than just a formality, they're trying to imply that there's some sort of China connection like uh, the uh, the Russiagate conspiracy of the, the Democrats in the US. And then the Guardian in particular has a particular bee in their bonnet about him. And I just wanted to go through all of these. Argentinian presidential um, election, far-right libertarian Hang on a minute. That, how, how does that work? I mean, the Guardian says far right. They, they normally refer to uh, mid-century German or mid-century Italian enthusiasts, not um, libertarians. They're obviously trying to smear him as some sort of extremist, which I suppose by the Guardian standards he kind of is, but not in the direction that they're using that kind of language. And then uh, here we go again, far right again. They also refer to him as El Loco, of course, um, meaning crazy, I imagine. It's quite endearing, though. Mm -hmm. it, it, because it's in Spanish, it, it's kind of if got so, a If somebody could quality. start referring to me as something like El Loco, I'll take it. You need to get some face tattoos, and no. lots of gold jewelry. Uh, never like, mind. I retract my statement. It, it does sound like one of the uh, sort of cartel members from Breaking Bad. Like, 
missed out character in the deleted scene. Crazy ape. Yeah, there we go. And here we go, far right again, blah, 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 blah. And this is something that I thought was ridiculous. Economists warn electing far-right Millet would spell devastation for Argentina. They're standing about 150% inflation. They have the largest IMF debt in the world. And they're just like, well, this is terrible. Um, no, I see a particular name in this byline Thomas here. Piketty, famous for being a leftist economist, which is up there with being, um, uh, what's a good analogy, leftist economist? Well, it, it, it's like being, I, I can't think of one. Basically, you can't be a leftist and an economist because leftists make moral arguments about economics, not objective, you know, observational ones. They're not empirical in the slightest. They just say the world should be like this and it's not. Boo hoo hoo, wah wah wah. Rather than saying, here's how the economy works, here's how we maximize growth and efficiency, which any sane person would look at it like that. And there's a couple more. Um, they're trying to make out that he's going to be a dictator, the man who's cutting most of the government departments. He's going to be a dictator, of course. Yes, they're referring to him as dictatorial. And they're trying to claim that offspring of um, military officials convicted of crimes against humanity and genocide during Argentina's dictatorship have urged voters not to back the far-right candidate Javier Millet in the imminent election, warning that the country's very democracy is in danger. I, wait, I didn't wait, wait, see wait. any evidence. So, so, so the statements here are the children of people who committed genocide have said, don't vote for this man. And the Guardian's like, well, we should listen to those guys. Yes. I, that's my understanding All right. of it. Um, okay. Very strange. Um, but here we go again. They, they, they tried this trick again. Argentina's far right front runner reopens wounds of dictatorship. Uh, 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 what, a libertarian dictator? Okay. Well, you, you've got to remember that from the leftist conception of democracy, they see all of those government ministries that, uh, that um, manage culture, education, women and gender, and all, the, all, all those, they see, <laughs> I still go over the framing of like, I manage women. <laughs> That's your job. Okay. <laughs> institutionalized misogyny unintentionally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, from, from their perspective, democracy is ruled by an enlightened elite and populism being actually giving the people what they want and voted for is dictatorship. So him removing those departments that let the enlightened elite do what they want and dictate your lives is evil dictatorship because he's the one who wants to let people live their own lives in a way that's best for them. <laughs> you want people to make their own decisions? You're literally a dictator. Do you know who else wanted to do that? Uh, no. No, neither do I. No, me neither. I can't think of a single political <laughs> leader in the past hundred years who wanted to do that. <laughs> But anyway, um, I, I just wanted to celebrate and, and gloat a little bit at, at the left. And uh, yeah, it, it's nice to see something positive happening in the world. I think also lots of people have been saying that this bodes well for the 2024 American election, although Trump is already uh, seemingly polling better than everyone else. So, you know, let's see what happens. But best of luck to you, Argentina. I wish you all the best. All right. <laughs> So, should we do our affirmations, gentlemen? Affirmations? Affirm what? Which, which is your favorite nation? Pakistan, of course. Um, We're close. Equ Equatorial Guinea. <laughs> well, mine is Israel. Mm -hmm. And I would like to let everybody know, as this segment begins, that I love the nation of Israel. I would never do anything against it. Now that that's out of the way, let's talk about... 
<laughs> Where's this going? <laughs> let, let's, let's talk about how Elon Musk has gotten in a lot of trouble over the past week or so. I don't know if we've reported on this quite yet, but Elon Musk has decided that, as you so eloquently put before this, that Elon has decided to strip naked and run through a minefield, mm -hmm. metaphorically speaking. And metaphorically speaking, I've decided to throw my clothes asunder and follow straight ahead, right behind him. And drag us along with you. And, dra okay. and drag us along. Obviously, with this segment, I'm going to be sensitive to the subject because there's a lot of nuance that we can take here. Mm -hmm. Before I get into it, given that censorship is something on everybody's mind all of the time, and Elon was the great savior of Twitter, trying to remove as much censorship from it as possible and allow it to be a free speech platform, I think it would be relevant to point everyone to a recent video that came out on Friday, where I was speaking to Chloe of Proper Horror Show, a show that Josh and I have been on in the mm -hmm. past. She's very knowledgeable on films and horror in particular, as you'd imagine. But this was us talking about the history of British censorship in television and film, looking at the BBFC and Ofcom and other organizations. I thought it was a really interesting discussion, and it was um, very interesting because it wasn't just about the history of British censorship. It also had some great lessons in there to learn about power dynamics between political groups. I'm definitely going to watch this one myself. Yeah. So if you want to get a membership on the website, you can get it for as little as £5 per month and you'll get access to that video and all the other ones. And we are still on our third birthday right now. So if you go and use uh, code birthday when you're signing up, then you can get 33% off of your first three months of your uh, subscription. So that's a really great deal. You should take advantage of it while it's still there. So let's go into the details of what was happening. So this is the tweet that started it all off. So for some context of this, some gentleman shared this video, which was produced by the, I think it's the Council Against Antisemitism, which was a, a classic where a gentleman takes his son outside of a mosque, not a mosque, that's, <laughs> that would be <laughs> the ironic, other, the other one, yeah. outside of a synagogue and says, I can't believe you've been saying things online, like, like a, a particular mustached man from the mid-century was right. Why don't you say it to their faces? You know, typical sort of videos that they put out from this, which is hilarious given that they, ADL, I think, reported that there has been a 400% increase in anti-Semitism in the last year. No, nothing specifying who exactly was performing mm. that anti-Semitism. Mysteriously, when, when it's time to pray to Mecca, the uh, spike in anti-Semitism suddenly drops. It's just a weird coincidence. Very strange. It's obviously young white boys who have committed all mm. of that 400%. This person says, you got something you want to say? Why don't you say it to, their, to our faces? This gentleman puts out a rather spicy statement saying that uh, particular Jewish, well, he doesn't say particularly, he says Jewish communities have been pushing the exact kind of dialectical hatred against whites that they claim to want people to stop using against them. A very contentious claim to put out there. Elon Musk responds by saying, you have said the actual truth. And this got everybody talking. That because is uh, like nobody was expecting Elon to come out again, um, with this kind of statement, especially recently when he's been trying so hard to talk about um, to uh, solve anti-Semitism on the platform, and he's been trying to navigate the absolute ma uh, landmines that the ADL and other organizations keep placing in front of him. I think he had to go through with some kind of anti-Semitism struggle session a while back. I think this was actually in the months after he purchased Twitter, the ADL put him through a struggle session that included people like Ben Shapiro and others. Mm -hmm. Very, very strange that he has to go through all of this. Then he decided to clarify his points and say that the ADL, because obviously that's the one that he's got the most experience with recently, 
unjustly attacks the majority of the West, despite the majority of the West supporting the Jewish people and Israel. This is because they cannot, by their own tenets, criticize the minority groups who are their primary threat. It's not right and it needs to stop. And then he clarifies further uh, when somebody says the ADL are not the whole of the Jewish community, which is absolutely true. And he says, this does not extend to all Jewish communities, but it's also not just limited to the ADL. And he is right when he talks about this. There are quite a few explicitly Jewish community, well, not communities, organizations mm -hmm. that do try to encourage multicultural ideology, um, refugees in the West being brought over here, and uh, anti-white rhetoric, you could say. These are not at all representative of all Jewish communities. For instance, these guys who represent what they call Torah Judaism put out a statement after the events of the weekend saying that they completely support Elon Musk and everything that he does. Because these guys are uh, anti-Zionist Jews, because of course not all Jews are Zionists. There's quite a few in the Orthodox communities mm -hmm. who are completely anti-Zionist, and they say that it's only because of J Elon Musk that they were allowed back on the platform. It's all very interesting, but you do have to acknowledge at some point the reality that you do have organizations like the ADL, which we've covered before, which have an absolutely oversized amount of power, not just in America, but across all of world politics, where they were encouraging, where they were trying to pressure, for instance, um, Iceland to not ban male circumcision. Then you've got things like the American Jewish Committee funded the uh, uh, Studies in Prejudice series that was the Frankfurt School where they uh, released books like The Authoritarian Personality, which basically tried to pathologize any and all right-wing... It also support. has no evidentiary basis in the psychological literature. And in fact, it distracted um, research um, in the realm of political psychology from uh, looking at the, I, the notion of authoritarianism more seriously because they got waylaid with this concept. And uh, I, I think it was a, a massive mistake. Well, ha having read an analysis of it recently, it's very interesting. The empirical... Um, interviews that they conducted seem to point all of the evidence in one way, which is traditional Western structured families are very positive and very good for people. And they free associated, Freudian psychoanalyzed all of the material to point in the opposite direction. This woman says mm -hmm. that she had an excellent relationship with her father that's led to her being much stronger later on in life and having great connection with her history and culture. What we've actually decided through psychoanalysis BS is that this actually means that she's horribly repressed and hates her father secretly and can't accept it. Whereas the evidence for this, I made it up. It is effectively the psychological equivalent of reading tea leaves, isn't it? It's nonsense. It, it really is. Then you've got organizations like George Soros Open Society. Uh, there's people like Susan Rosenberg, who is a member of the all-female terrorist organization May 19th Communist Group who tried to bomb the American Capitol in 1983, was imprisoned, and then released by Bill Clinton on his last day in office, mm -hmm. who, is, who was, uh, she certainly was, she might still be, vice chair of an organization called Thousand Currents. Who Wasn't she pardoned by him as well? I think she was pardoned. So she by him, yeah. wanted to bomb a government building, and she was pardoned by a Democratic president. It's worth uh, remembering January 6th um, and yes. the, the complete absence of explosives. You have interviewed members, well, not members, but uh, people who were involved in January 6th mm -hmm. as well. People who have been arrested, yeah. You should definitely check out those videos on the website. But she's the vice chair of Thousand Currents who donated about $3.3 .3 million to BLM during the 
2019-2020 period and helped them to set up a lot of their charity funding. So there are individuals and organizations which exemplify exactly what Elon Musk is talking about. And it's not anti-Semitic to point this out as much as it would be for me to be claimed to be labeled as anti-English for criticizing Hope Not Hate and the Socialist Workers' Party of the UK, or even anti-Italian for criticizing Dr. Fauci. You don't have to tiptoe around these subjects just because there's massive organizations that want to label you. If you criticize them, because we shouldn't give these people a right to claim dominance and control over the entire narrative of the community that they say that they represent. Because the ADL, George Soros, all of these organizations, they represent factions in the same way that British people have factions. You've got Mm -hmm. right-wing conservative British people, and you've got leftist, liberal, um, open borders British people. So you can't give them a complete uh, monopoly over the views and beliefs of Jewish. Just making generalizations about um, human beings when it comes to politics tends, when it's a specific group of people, it just tends to be really inaccurate, no matter what the area is and, and what the group of people. Yeah, absolutely. Are. Especially when you consider there are right-wing Jewish organizations that care about Western values and don't want open borders, don't want refugees coming over. And some of people like you know Murray Rothbard and Paul Gottfried are some of, I consider, some of the most incisive right-wing commenters and philosophers of the past hundred years or so. I imagine Curtis Yarvin doesn't agree with the ADL, for example. No, although he has been making arguments in favor of complete Palestinian genocide <laughs> recently on his Substack. Oh dear. Yeah, but, but, but he, he's been approaching it from a political realism perspective, not necessarily a, a tribal perspective, although I'm sure some would make arguments. Either way, like I say, there are people who've come out in favor of Elon Musk, and, but the White House and other organizations immediately decide to say that you're an evil, hideous anti-Semite for even acknowledging any of these facts. These are facts that you can easily find just by looking things up on Google, but you're an anti-Semite for pointing it out, they said. We condemn this abhorrent promotion of anti-Semitic and racist hate in the strongest terms. This was spokesperson Andrew Bates. He said, it's unacceptable to repeat the hideous lie behind the most fatal act of anti-Semitism in American history at any time, let alone one month after the deadliest day for the Jewish people since the Holocaust. On Wednesday... What lie? That's the good question, isn't it? What lie? They don't have an answer for that. What, what event, even? in American history since the Holocaust. What is he talking about? They're talking about the Hamas attack on the 7th of October. But that's not, What's Amer- that got to do with that's not an American event, is it? No, but what has that even got to do with the conversation? That's, that's the thing that is so transparent about this event that I love, which is that you can clearly see that there are a lot of groups that wanted to take down Elon anyway. Mm-hmm. And then there are some more which are now stumbled across, across this, want to use it as a weapon to fight him, and it's gone through the WhatsApp chats saying this is the one we can use all the way to the White House. It is so utterly transparent in the way power actually works, which is we've got one, boys, and all the way to the White House. I, I mean, thought that exact same thing, yeah. I'm sure you're going to go to it as well. What is it? Apple, IBM, yep. all IBM, these major organizations. Apple, Disney, Comcast, Warner Bros, Paramount Global, and the Lionsgate Entertainment have all decided as a result of this they are going to be pulling out of advertisement for Twitter. Because they deeply care about the, the issue of whether or not certain Jewish communities like the ADL promote anti-white viewpoints. No, couldn't give a crap. It is just about destroying Elon and the safe space he's yeah. made that is Twitter. Especially Disney. I mean, if they, if they cared so much, they'd change their name because Walt Disney, of course, not famous for being friendly 
too. Well, I mean, the thing is, um, ADL chief executive Jonathan Greenblatt, of course, he decided to get uh, to take a step in this because the, the man Elon Musk hates yeah. hates Elon Musk. He is, no way. <laughs> I mean, let, let's be perfectly honest. He's probably been somebody who has sent this information to those organizations like Disney and Comcast and said, you've got him now, boys. ADL is a big nexus point for all of this kind of activity. I only just found out today The Nation posted an article on Friday that I might have to cover later on this week because it is really, really interesting, showing that organizations like Israel on College Campus works directly with the ADL and the Israel government to spy on American campuses so they can create their hate reports about anti-Semitism on campuses. And that can range from anything from white kids who are pro-Palestine saying like, oh, maybe we shouldn't you know, completely kill all of the Palestinians and support that financially through our tax money to actual anti-Semites anti or people just saying, I'm not that fond of Israel. I don't see why we have to have our business wrapped up in them. They actively have spy networks using geolocation, tracking information through Facebook and other social media sites. I've not heard about that. I only just heard about it earlier today from this excellent article that came out. I might have to cover it later on this week, as I said. But the ADL actively works with organizations that spy on American citizens for the benefit of a foreign state. And this is the guy. These are the guys that American businesses like Disney go, like, I trust this guy. This guy right here who's spying on our citizens, this is, the, this is my man. This is the guy for me. Well, to be fair, Disney would like that information it's, as well. They love collecting data. Well, yeah, it just, it's not that, though, is it? It's a fear of the influence backlash. Mm -hmm. So they've been told, Elon Musk done something anti-Semitic, you need to cut your advertising. And they've got two options. They can either keep going and say, go screw yourself, ADL, or they can just comply. And what happens if they just comply? Well, this, they, they don't have to spend the money. Um, they might lose some money in advertising. Who really gives a crap? But if they continued, then they would be labeled anti-Semitic and the various influence groups around the United States political system would then try and utterly destroy them as well. It's, it's a fear racket. Or not even necessarily destroy the corporations because a corporation like Disney is really useful for the American government to be able to work directly with. So they would just get you personally, the man who made that decision, everybody who supported you. Why did you do it, Callum? They'd get you yeah, fired. Yeah. And then they'd put you in, put in somebody else who is more amenable to their positions and ideas. But it just goes to show how vast the network is of basically uh, leftist activism that goes on to enforce a left-wing global hegemony. Mm, I, None of it based on truth, all of it based on fear. Yeah, I know it's. I mean, even sorry. Sorry, sorry. Let me finish this. No, no, go even ahead. The European Commission has asked its departments to stop buying ads on X because of concerns over misinformation related to the Israel-Hamas war, as well. And no, this, if you don't, we'll come for you. Yeah, there you go. What were you going to say, Josh? Um, I was just going to say that lots and lots of political networks operate in a similar sort of structure. I remember looking at um, the the Maps uh, network of all of these different pressure groups that are all linked together with certain individuals who have foot in, in multiple groups and they sort of form a web or a network um, where information travels through them and they can help with um, activism and helping one another. And of course, you know, when it comes to um, pro-pedophile organizations, it's pretty clear that everyone's pretty much against them, or at least you should be. Um, but it, it's interesting that this seems to be a, a very effective way of organizing in politics more generally, doesn't it? And sadly, the left have become experts at it. Uh, I imagine that there are plenty of groups 
on the right that operate in a similar way. I would imagine that somebody like Chris Rufo probably has networks set up mm-hmm. in a similar way because he's been able to successfully pressure parts of Florida and educational departments across the US. But the left in particular seem to really know how to operate it because they yeah. were working clandestinely for such a long time. I mean, even you, all you have to do is go back to the early Bolsheviks and see that they were operating in an equivalent way for the time period that they were operating in. It was a load of criminals operating behind the scenes, trying to influence politics or force the hand of the government. Not a lot's changed then. No, it, it, it really hasn't. But in response to this, Elon Musk has stated that he's going to fire off lawsuits. He threatened the same thing with the ADL a few months ago, and he hasn't, uh, which is a shame because I would love to see somebody with the financial capital to be able to back this up, just go straight for the throat with an organization like ADL, which has been such a force of censorship. I think it takes a long time to get um, put together a lawsuit of that size. It, it, it does, but I really hope that he can go ahead with it because he's probably the only person who could because of the, all the money he's got behind him. He also threatened to sue Media Watchdog Media Matters because they're the ones who have been putting together these reports and informa- informational reports saying that, um, oh, you who advertise on Twitter, your post was, your advertisement was put on a post that was praising Mustache Man or something like that and trying to pressure these groups to take themselves off of the platform. So Musk has wrote, uh, written on, on Twitter, he said, the split second court opens on Monday. X-Court will be filing a thermonuclear lawsuit against Media Matters and all those who colluded in the fraudulent attack on our company. This week, Media Matters for America posted a story that completely misrepresented the real experience on X in another attempt to undermine freedom of speech and mislead advertisers. He accused Media Matters of creating an alternative account designed to misinform advertisers about their posts. Following the outbreak of war between Israel and Palestine, Islamist group Hamas, which attacked Israel on October 7th, anti-Semitic incidents in the United States rose by nearly 400% from the year earlier period, according to the ADL. So that's that's where that Because they rose something like 1,400% in the UK. What's what's the difference in in, uh, certain populations? The the ADL, they love to make these reports, but they're never particularly specific, are they? They don't like to point out who exactly is committing it, because if they do that, then they might have to narrow down their focus and criticize particular groups, whereas they want a nice broad net so that they can marginalize as many groups as possible so they can maintain influence and funding and probably pressure people into giving them money. But, but the thing is, there are 1.8 billion Muslims in, in the world. They're not really a minority. And in fact, they're pretty. many of them are pretty explicit that they want to take over, say, Europe or North America and make everyone Islamic. But uh, off of the back of this, you've had lots of political reactions to it. DeSantis actually has been refusing to condemn Elon Musk, which is quite honorable of him, because this guy, Jake Tapper on CNN, was trying to maneuver him into a, you've got to condemn him, you've got to condemn him. He was trying to maneuver him into a condemnation. DeSantis refused. He said, you know, uh, no, I know. Yellow cunts, what do you I, want? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we might have to bleep that on yeah. YouTube. Well done. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but that's the correct response. No, it sort of asked you that. So it absolutely no, I'm right wing. Go to hell. If he said that verbatim, I reckon his polling would go up in the Republican race. Yeah, it still wouldn't get him above Trump, but it would no. do. It'd give him a little, little, mm. little kick up there. Culture critic shared that Elon Musk. There's been a bit of a battle going on on Wikipedia where they've been <laughs> listing him as Front a line of our civilization. Wikipedia. Always, well, once again, if it's the first result that pops up on Google when you search someone's name and it comes up in the information tab that shows up on the side, 
you know that people are going to be battling over those first few sentences. What's the first impression people are going to get of you? They've been trying to label as a conspiracy theorist. This got edited out and changed to far-right conspiracy theorist. But at the moment, <laughs> at the moment, it's been taken down. So the first few sentences, uh, if we go to the top here, no longer say conspiracy theorist. But they have included this nice bit here where they say the Israel government and several media outlets accuse Musk of anti-Semitism due to him spreading George Soros conspiracy theories, although some Israeli officials defended Musk. In his tweet on November 2023, he supported white nationalist ideology. I must have missed something there. I didn't see that. I know. And affirmed another anti-Semitic conspiracy theory that Jews pushed hatred against whites. No, not all Jews, but... He literally clarified and said the ADL. Yeah, he said the ADL and some other organizations. And while he may not have named those organizations explicitly, we know which ones they are. I listed a few of them to start off. I mean, they even write afterwards that he did clarify. I mean, this is, this is just a general problem with Wikipedia, isn't it? Yes, mm. this is absolutely the general problem. But because all of these large organizations that have been f- helping to advertise on Twitter, because, of course, he's had the uh, ad revenue sharing scheme that's been going on for a few months now, um, Twitter is very dependent on advertisers. And without those advertisers, people have been throwing in their hats and saying, hey, I'll help, I'll advertise on the platform instead. People, a lot of people are saying, uh, Seth Dillon says, from the Babylon Bee, I'll put in 250 grand to advertise on the platform. Tim Pool has said that he'll put in 250 grand to advertise on the platform. Quartering said 25 grand to advertise on the platform. And then <laughs> Andrew Tate said he would put in a million dollars a month to advertise. <laughs> One million dollars. You, you've got to really love how Andrew Tate does this because you know how Andrew Tate, whenever he gets involved in anything, he has to suddenly become the best central part of any story. He is clarified with, you don't need other advertisers. You don't need them. Just me. <laughs> Every fucking <laughs> advert is just Andrew Tate. <laughs> I already see, just by following him, I see him with his shirt off too much. I don't want to see that even more. What, what, what would he be advertising? I know he's recently His own started, abs, probably. Well, he started some university where you'll be able to get a, a proper education from Andrew Tate. But imagine if it is just him advertising himself shirtless. <laughs> There's no product that he's selling. I am the product. <laughs> yeah, literally, that's the tagline. <laughs> yeah. But the interesting thing with this is even with Twitter potentially being in trouble without the advertisers, Elon Musk himself, I think, can probably afford to keep the platform going purely by himself. Because one thing that none of these articles are mentioning is that Elon Musk is massively backed by the American government, despite them condemning him they are too heavily involved with Elon Musk to be able to pull out all of their financial support that they have of him. Because let's list a few of the things. Involved or reliant on him? They are completely reliant on him. Because I've seen there's this graph that's fantastic, which is the American economy with and without Elon Musk's input. Like If you just take Elon Musk's economic output out of the American GDP, China's already overtaken them. Literally, he's the only guy keeping it afloat. (laughs) Even without things like Tesla, there are so many government contracts with so many different departments that are entirely dependent on him. I'll list a few of them that they uh, go through in this New York Times article. In recent weeks, the US government has become more dependent on him than ever, agreeing to as much as a $1.2 billion worth of SpaceX launches next year to put crucial Pentagon assets, including spy and command and control satellites, into space. And there's lots of other contracts going on with the military and other things where they um, 
uh, ever since the invasion of Ukraine, the military dependency on Mr. Musk has only increased. It was his decision to ship Starlink satellite equipment to Ukraine in the hours after the invasion to keep the country able to communicate. When he declined a Ukrainian request to extend the coverage of the system to, uh, system to Crimea, the Ukrainians found that they could not precisely aim drones on a mission to attack Russian ships. So even the Ukrainian defense has been very reliant on the, uh, on the capital that Elon Musk has put forward. Elon Musk is not just... Uh, mm. the, the US government isn't just dependent on Musk. Ukraine's defense has been reliant on Elon Musk. Okay, you've got like Starlink PMC over here that actually determines if your operation goes well or doesn't exist in a modern warfare context. Well, well they point out the, the, the American government would really, really love to be able to rely on their normal contractors like Raytheon and Lockheed Martin, but they just cannot keep up with all of Elon Musk's innovations in all of these areas. They're at least five years behind everything that Elon Musk is able to produce. It's going to bring joy to my heart that the first base on Mars is going to be private and not run by a government. <laughs> oh. Well, it'll be uh, both subsidized kind of. by the government, technically private, but private-public partnership is what it's going to be. Yeah. So I'm very sorry to break that to you. But also NASA is working with him in separate contracts collectively worth at least $4 billion to land two sets of its astronauts on the moon with SpaceX's new Starship rocket bringing humans back to the lunar surface for the first time in more than 50 years. So the American government is completely dependent on Elon Musk. The American economy is completely dependent on Elon Musk. Ukraine's ability to fire rockets and make them go where they want them to, do, to go is entirely dependent on Elon Musk. So with all of these condemnations, with all of the controversy around him, he is so much a part of the furniture that they need him. And he, he, he's too big to fail. So whether or not he goes out and starts endorsing far-right conspiracy theories, they can't do anything against him realistically. There's something more revealing there, which is they're willing to destroy that economic lead. They're willing to destroy the technological lead and the ability to win modern wars just to make sure no one's quote-unquote anti-Semitic, which in this case was just him saying the ADL are bad. That's how much a value. We've got plenty of evidence what's of that. More, yeah, what's more valuable? This guy who has created like a trillion dollars worth of wealth or the ADL? I mean, which one would you throw under the bus if you were the American government? Apparently, Elon Musk. Well, as somebody who loves the nation of Israel and considers himself not anti-Semitic, Callum, I'm going to have to throw myself in with the ADL there. Okay. Uh, but now that we've gone through that horrible anti-Semitism, it's time for you to showcase some racism. <laughs> what kind of segue is that? Just trying to get us all put in prison on something. It's a joke. <laughs> so it's not wrong. Uh, all right then. Fair no, enough. Pakistan is like one of the most racist countries on earth. So. Oh they're, yeah, they're, all right. We're well, actually nice save. We're, we're dealing with what? What do you mean safe? <laughs> so thank you and welcome to Pakistan Watch episode three thousand. We we've done a few, and then Carl told me to cut them, so uh, I brought it back just for a special episode. <laughs> uh, it used to be called something else, but I won't repeat that because I might get in trouble when I go back to Pakistan. Anyway, starting off, we shall promote something on the website first, this being the merch store. So if you want to go and check out merch, there is merch. Go and do that. Otherwise, if you'd like to just hand over money, you can do that too. But there's actually a, a coupon for you to hand over money as well because it's the, it's the third birthday. So go and enjoy 33% off if you want to. But what am I talking about today? Why are we on Pakistan Watch this evening? I well, mean, it's always interesting to watch Pakistan because it, it's such a... An unusual world. Culture. That, that, We're always on pa uh, Pakistan watch, Captain. Mm. Well, this is why I'm here, because I saw this tweet. Uh, an, opinion, an opinion on Pakistan that will put you in this situation with the you know, good old meme. And it blew up a little bit. As you can Say see you're it. Indian. 
Well, my take is that England is Pakistan. And uh, I think I can prove it with facts and logic. Mostly facts about cousin marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's favorite subject. Yeah. This is a poster, as you can see, from the bad man, where he, back in the day, was obviously like, hang on a minute, importing loads of people from Pakistan. I'm not sure they're English. Uh, It turns out, no. (laughs) What an observation. Ten years later, we have discovered, no, they were, in fact, Palestinian. Not even Pakistani. Hold That's on. a strange turn of events. What are you going to do? But, yeah, I mean, you know, these people are as English as they, as they get. I'm sure you'll agree. They're not, they're not foreign. I mean, that's why these things trend in the UK, as you can see on Twitter here. Trending in the United Kingdom, death to all Jews. But the ADL ah, told me... I'm sure that's just I thought Jeremy this Corbyn just... with 8,430 <laughs> alt accounts. <laughs> the ADL told me that this was all-purpose general anti-Semitism from nebulous forces, probably you. <laughs> but I would argue that maybe there are some differences between England and the rest of the world. And that's no, what you end not. up... It's exactly the same. Awful nationalistic of you. Well, I don't know. People didn't use to chant death to all Jews in England. It, uh, now it trends. Well, you got me there. So, <laughs> yeah, some people have a problem with the concept of understanding that cultures are different, such as this lady, which we featured a few times because it's such a beautiful moment. You can see uh, Mrs. Oh, no, not this woman. Shake, shake. Oh, who cares? She says, uh, genuinely, I ask, what is British culture? Born in the UK, lived here for 40 years, and yet to, uh, we are constantly told we are not integrating. Not integrating into what exactly? Wait, does she realize the only reason she's allowed to ask that question is because of British culture? Yeah, yeah and also, British culture is so obviously one of the best in the world that a lot of other countries have adopted aspects of our culture. Like there's a reason that the language of business is English, right? But we've also adopted some beautiful things from Pakistan. Yes, I mean... Uh, I mean, British culture. Name them. Name them? Yeah, go on. Uh, well, a third of all be- birth defects are um, <laughs> from, from Pakistani families that also happen You're to be related. You're a source for that or not? Are we... um, the NHS, yeah. Oh, okay. There we go. It's, and, and it's yeah. genuinely NHS <laughs> figures. I've not just made it up. Well, we'll get into why in a let's, let's not forget as well that for a long time, a few hundred years, in fact, part of British culture was owning Pakistan. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Live in Britain, you used to own me. It's a bless. I mean, it, it, legalistically, it was a bit different. They were technically British subjects. We didn't just own them. <laughs> My property. <laughs> well, but you no, become this... some sort of uh, African-American. <laughs> back to this question, because this, this particular... Uh, person I find hilarious because of course you know what language are you writing in uh, why are you not covered where's your husband that is my immediate question as to what is British <laughs> culture but you say that generally don't you <laughs> why are you talking women? to me lady why are you not covered <laughs> British women also need discipline mm-hmm. I don't but you can see here there is um, her average tweets which are usually about how she's culturally proud of Pakistan but doesn't know what British culture is and she's not a sincere she, individual let's get, she says she's a CEO yeah would that be allowed in Pakistan? Well, no. I don't know. But we're not talking about uh, Pakistani culture because that's where we're going. Well, we are talking about Pakistani culture, I correct myself. And we're not going to talk about this, you know, like the weird conversations that they have about sex. And I mean, in the sense of this dutty whore that you can see here. <laughs> Disgusting. She's got her arms uncovered. How could she dress my, like this? My, my eyes. I can see parts of a collarbone. What's going on here? Yeah, this is from uh, the Asia section of the BBC because apparently we need state media in all corners of the earth, including Pigeon. Which <laughs> that's, that's tomorrow's segment. That's what we're doing. It's for Mike Tyson alone. Yeah. So you can see here, <laughs> Pakistan's shameful first Miss Universe contestant. I mean, you are right. Look at those arms. 
Disgusting. I can see why she won, though. She obviously doesn't lift. I don't think it's either BBC Urdu have joined the conversation. Oh, great. Uh, some senator, Mr. Ahmed, he of um, oh, whatever party that is, I can't be bothered. Isn't that Imran Khan's? Whatever. He says it's shameful that she's doing this. Uh, another prime minister came in to say he has ordered an investigation into into a woman. Yeah. What, what's what her is actual crime? What's going on here? <laughs> what, what, what's she done wrong? Is she? Is it because she's entered this this competition, the Miss Universe beauty pageant? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hate to agree with the BBC, but they are right when they write that. What is sparking such outrage a 24-year-old woman? <laughs> Literally, that is it. She just she entered the Miss Universe contest as Miss Pakistan, and then everyone's like, how could you do this? Has, has Pakistan... How could you do this to Pakistan? Has, has Pakistan pa- number one. <laughs> Why do they Pakistan... sound sub-Saharan African for a start? Uh-huh. Wait, has, has Pakistan had en- uh, like contestants enter into this before, into the Miss Universe? I can't say I've kept track. Be honest. And if and if so, was it just a woman in a full body covering and head covering? I don't believe so. I'm assuming because they don't mention in this article. But you can see here, like she's she is disgusting. Look at her. How could she do this to the glorious nation of Pakistan? I feel like I'm going to hell now. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's um you know one conversation which is funny, right? The Pakistani or, or Muslim world's obsession with covering up everything. But I mean, we can't really talk. I mean, should we check out our culture for a minute? The West. We have to. This is our Miss Universe from the Netherlands and Portugal there. Oh, We're no. both ladies. I knew where this was going. This yeah. Netherlands has clearly had a lot of uh, cosmetic surgery as well. Yeah. Like, shouldn't, that, shouldn't that be banned? That's like doping for beauty <laughs> contests, isn't it? Well, be, is it not the, we're going to get in trouble if we go down that path. No, I'm leaving that there. <laughs> but I think my point is made. But getting back to Pakistan, because I was arguing that Pakistan is home. And here is the news from the BBC. Fewer cousins marrying in Bradford's Pakistani community. Damn. Win. Fewer. Fewer. It, boys. <laughs> it's, it, that's enough. It might be like one less. <laughs> but they're like, fewer. Yes. We'll get back to this in a minute because I, I just love everything about this. <laughs> local there Bradford are, news. There, there are fewer cousins, but more brother and sister marriages. Yeah. Um, I just want to cut to a local man's response to this news. <laughs> As you can see there, he's, <laughs> he's uh, rather happy that the numbers have gone down. There are slightly fewer cousin marriages in, in Bradford. But I, I do love, you occasionally get a conversation about the United States, and this is a map here showing which states it's a criminal offense or uh, it's legal to marry your cousin. And <laughs> <laughs> that was a curious accent. You said cousin. In. Well, you are see, you implying anything there? You can see uh, the, the most globalist states, uh, California and New York, obviously need cousin marriage to be legal for other communities, but the native communities, as you can see in the south there, they need cousin marriage because how else are they going to live? Doesn't that say it's a, a criminal offence in like Texas and some of the southern states? Yeah, there's been some modernization. Mm-hmm. But I love how this gets brought up and it's usually, I see in American internet circles of like, oh god, look at the south, they still have cousin marriage. Well, Alabama. Look coast, at the east right? coast, yeah. But then, you know, you look at the world. Oh wow. Yeah, it's pretty legal everywhere. This is well, first cousin marriage. Well, it's, it's still I never thought I'd here. say it, but credit to the Chinese there. <laughs> you can't marry your first cousin. God, communism is terrible. <laughs> Even Serbia is like, no. Mm. Okay. But parts yeah, what, what parts the, of the Balkans had enough. I can't see what the Indian one, it says legality dependent on, and then it cuts off. Religion or culture. Okay. Can you guess? Is there an exemption for the Islamic now, world? Well, you know, some citizens. Mm. Not defined by me. Is it the Buddhists? Who knows? But you can see that it's pretty wide. And um, well, you know, haha, they have cousin marriage in the South. Well, it's illegal in most of the world. 
Does and Central Africa just not get married in the summer Central Asia? <laughs> no data. <laughs> but the question being, okay, it's legal in most of the world to marry your first cousin. That's not really the question, though, is it? The question is, should you? I'm from the West Country. Are you sure you want my answer? No. <laughs> but you can see here, here's the rough data of its prevalence. And, um, well, I mean, there's a trend. Yeah, this is funny, isn't it? I can't see it. Well, it just happens to map the Umayyad Caliphate for some reason. Still Pretty can't. That's see just it. a coincidence, Callum. I don't know what you're on about. Yeah. Anyway. It's, it's just weird. Um, yeah, it's, it's a mistake. We're getting back to Bradford, jolly old Bradford, mm -hmm. which you may have noticed was not particularly high in that, that list, but other countries, certain one. Wait, what, what part of Pakistan is Bradford? Um, north. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> north, northwest Pakistan. <laughs> but here we go. So here's the news. So, um, oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, have you only just read yeah. it? <laughs> no, have I forgot been... how long the names are. Juwaybiyuraya <laughs> <laughs> Ahmed married her cousin in 1988. The 52-year-old teacher says her children once asked how she met her father. Family quote, reunion. Yeah, quote, I was laughing at them. I said, I didn't really meet him. My parents took me to Pakistan, and my dad said, you're going to marry this person. And I sort of knew who he was, but the first time I met him properly was at the wedding. There we are. Very this is, sensible. So it was a, a, an arranged marriage then. Yeah. And this is the cultural practice that's very different between, you know, um, South Pakistan, known as Pakistan, and North Pakistan, Bradford, because of, uh, well, some of the kids' response to that story was, quote, my kids said that was disgusting, and they told me, don't you dare make us do anything like this. And this Blimey. is- me. This that's, is the good news. That's really quite a strong statement. I mean, I, I've always thought of, you know, my parents would probably be able to pick someone good for me. So I, I'm kind of bitter that it's not a cultural problem. Yeah, but you're lazy. That's true, yeah. Are you suggesting your parents were going to pick your cousin and you're no, disappointed? Not his, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. You're like, damn, I wanted that cousin. <laughs> no. I, I, I trust Josh's parents' ability to pick out good women more than his own. No, yeah, my, my judgment is impaired. Not his cousin. He never no. invited his cousin. Well, you said Thank you, the, you, Harry. You said you were from the West Country. That was a joke. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay, was... Yeah, that was kind of implied. I'm sorry. Oh, dear. Do you remember that? There's a scene... My jokes are piling up on me now. There's a scene from Wolf of Wall Street. Um, you know the guy... He... You've seen Wolf of Wall Street, right? Yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. So the first guy he uh, hires comes up to him. He's like, you show me a payslip for $800 now. I'll work for you. Anyway. He, they find out that he's having sex with his cousin. He's married his cousin. Oh, oh yeah. So he asks him why, and he sits him down in the diner and goes, "Well, you know, she's hot, and I'm not going to let someone else fuck my cousin." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the story. I've not watched that film in a while. <laughs> That's not the news from Pakistan. It, uh, sorry, Bradford. Uh, the, the, the good news is that I now love diversity and multiculturalism because it works. Because as the news tells us, fewer cousins are marrying. Mm -hmm. Integration, lads. Tony Blair's worldview actually works. Stop worrying about They're it. Just as British as we are. Because 10 years ago, researchers studying in health of more than 30,000 people in Bradford found that 60% of babies in the Pakistani community had parents who were first and second cousins. That's really high, isn't it? 60%. That's a lot. That's a lot. That was 10 years ago. Now, now, good news, lads. It has fallen to 46%. That's from just over half yeah. to just under. Still 46% of the local population marrying the cousin. Um, for the native population of British, well, at least for the UK population, I should say, it's 2%. That's, I mean, that's a that's stark difference, isn't it? It's a bit of a difference. <laughs> I still think 2% is too high for yeah, the native population. It should be you 0%. Might, you might be right, because, of course, that's of the UK population. Um, oh. Yeah. So... so. 
The original research also demonstrated that cousin marriage roughly doubled the risk of birth defects. This is the, the, the scientist talking here. They say it remained rare, affecting 6% of children born with cousins, but still, I mean, not worth the risk. Why would you do that to a baby? Like, what's wrong with you? Quote, in just under a decade, we've had a significant shift from cousin marriage being, in a sense, a majority activity. <laughs> what, did the whole family get involved? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't like that phrasing. <laughs> to a minority activity. Certainly is. Uh, uh, this is right. Sixty percent right, to forty-six percent. Yeah, you can make the really, really weak argument. See, they're in the minority now. Look, multiculturalism works, lads. Stop worrying about it. It's All now only forty-six percent. The same. Fucking. Okay. <laughs> uh, of course. Swearing in love. I I can't help it. Look at the story. Uh, the <laughs> the effect will be fewer children with abnormalities. Thanks to them no longer having sex with their cousins. Uh, the percentage is going down, I should say. They didn't stop. They just, just went down to 40. <laughs> Does this article explain what's led to this drop? Well, they say, which is actually the good news. Which, They've run out of uh, cousins. No. <laughs> well, actually, they have. But you're not wrong. <laughs> that was a joke. No. <laughs> Uh, right, it's going to have to be your sister now. <laughs> yeah, so there's there's a number of reasons. They say, firstly, there's intergenerational tension. So basically, the younger kids who have gone to British schools have uh, turned around when their parents say, so are you going to have sex with your cousin? And they're like, no. The hell's wrong with you? So there's a lot of teenagers they interview. Integration is working. Yeah. I never thought I'd see it. There's a fair few teenagers they interview where they're just like, I'm just going to get an image up because it's it looks nicer on the screen, I suppose. Is there another one? There we are. In which, so young ladies like this one turned to her mum and went, no, that's gross. So they're not doing it. So the younger mothers aren't doing it. But the other problem they do mention is that there are tighter rules on bringing a spouse into the UK because of this problem. The British government brought it in. So yes, they are running out of cousins. You can't bring them over as, as easily as you used to. That's, that's the government speaking, lads. And YouTube, not me, to be clear. And they say they, the reason they found all this, there was a study which originally looked at 12,000 pregnant women, re regardless of their ethnicity, from 2007 to 2010, whose children all joined this project and uh, the health has been tracked ever since. And there was another study of 2,000 children in inner-city wards, which were then recruited and did a follow-up study between 2016 and 2019. In both cases, mothers of the Pakistani heritage made up 60 to 65% of the total. And while 62% of these women in the original group were married to a first or second cousin, the figure fell to 46% for the next group 10 years later. So that's the good news. That's, that's down to 46 uh, for those educated to an A-level standard, uh, that goes down to 38%. It's always brutal when it correlates with education, isn't it? Slightly I, more educated brings it I down. I mean... It, it, but also, like, but still 38%. Yes. Like, th this, is, this is great that it's falling, but it's still really high. Cultural differences aren't small. I don't know why this isn't news to the British government. Mm. But, um, for the BBC, though, they decided in this article, we must give equal balance. So they brought on someone who I must presume is married to their cousin to chat about this. This is Dr. Ahamadar. And Dr. Ahamadar, a medical sociologist with the University of Bradford, of course, uh, they say that cousin marriage uh, is a risk factor, but not a cause of abnormalities in the children that are spawned. Uh, I, I'm Where, very doubtful of that. What is he citing for that claim? He cites one study of women over 35 having children compared to whites in Tower Hamlets, and says, there we go. Okay, so because... <laughs> no statistician, then. Because there is a study showing that these other people who are at risk of birth defects in their babies, that means that this isn't the cause... Didn't happen. 
Yeah, I'm I'm inclined not to believe Mr. Dar or Mrs. Dar. Can't tell. Because, uh, oh, it is a woman. She says, health workers have sometimes told parents of sick, uh, Pakistani parents of sick children, that it's because you married your cousin. <laughs> and he says this I'm is... Just, I'm just imagining them going, <laughs> what did you think would happen? <laughs> no, but he says, he says that telling Pakistani parents who are cousins who had kids and then the, the child ended up with genetic abnormalities, uh, telling them that that's their fault is another form of racism. Like the brass eye sketch. Should have known. Oh, right. Yeah. He says it's cultural blaming. You're taking out the politics of race and health of the minority and judging them by the majority population. Sorry, because you mentioned brass eye, I've just got in my head the paedophile being interviewed. Well, it's just another form of racism, isn't it? Sincerely, this is Dr. <laughs> Dahl's opinion, which is it's another form of racism. And they say directly, because you are upholding the Pakistani community to the same standards as the English community which is like a crime against, I don't know, health. Oh, but she does say, she does say that Charles Darwin married his cousin. Yes. Um, and so that if, makes it right, doesn't so it? So if Darwin did it, that makes it the obvious smart choice. Darwin also had a beard. <laughs> it doesn't mean I necessarily have to copy him. Yeah, uh, you should. But it's saying oh, here... Yeah. <laughs> got a bad crowd for that, haven't I? But they do say in here that, oh, the, the, you know, Darwin married it. And after the, we've listened to, you know, the advocates of marrying your cousin, the BBC do butt in with a bit of data and they say, well, they did test 4,384 British white respondents in Bradford. And uh, of them, two people were first cousins and three were distantly related. So that's 0.1% of Bradford, white British population marry their cousins, compared to 46%. Pretty stark, isn't it? So yeah, maybe that's not an argument, doing that. Anyway, checking out the data as well, just to tell people. I mean, you can go and check it in your own time, as you can see. Um, this is uh, local Bradford area. Uh, this is the Pakistani percentage. These are people who didn't identify as uh, British or, or English. They, they took the Pakistani box, as you can see there. It's, it's, yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit. And as always, note the stark segregation between these communities as well, where points of it just drop off and there's barely any Pakistanis because integration works. 1%, 60, 70. <laughs> yeah, multiculturalism is beautiful. Everybody wants to assimilate with one another. It just works. But they will become just like us. It's taken 10 years to drop, what was it, 20 percentage points? So another 20 years. No, another 40, another 60 years. 70 years, and then, then they will be the same as us. Then these communities will come together in perfect harmony. Yeah, uh, I can only hope so. God say the BBC. <laughs> we'll end that there for the sake of time, because otherwise it would have gone on a bit too much. I am going to show you one thing, though, which is uh, not for the segment, but one of the responses I saw was just like, normal day in Pakistan. Alhamdulillah, I will marry my brother next month. <laughs> 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 Thankful to my family. Blessings be upon me. Yeah, my relatives and friends, thank you for being understanding and accepting of our choice. And the best part of this dumbass tweet is there's, there's so many people like Westerners who are like, gross. And then there's local Pakistanis who are just like, oh, you know, good for you. Good, glad. And this is what we are bringing to the West. <laughs> yeah. And then there are Indians who are just like, yeah. <laughs> Indians doing Indian posting. But otherwise, let's uh, go to the video comments. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to our new segment. What is it we're doing again? We're playing Dungeons and Dragons. It'll be fun. You'll enjoy it. I'm not sure if I trust your definition of the word fun. Come on, lads. It'll be good. What are you dressed as? You told me to dress up as something cool, so I came as myself. Okay, sure. Whatever. I think you look cool. And what are you supposed to be? A pirate, obviously. And what about you? I'm a cleric. <laughs> I use the power of God to patrol goblin thoughts. Yeah, you patrol those thoughts. 
All right, are we all ready to begin? Yes, I suppose yep. so. Yep. Let's go then. That is quite possibly a work of art. That's um, very well done. You, <laughs> you spoiled this. You sent it to me earlier, though. So I, I didn't know we're didn't it was a video my, comment. You didn't get my authentic reaction-based state, but it, that was glorious, and thank you very much. I, I did laugh a lot more when I saw it yeah. last night. I, yeah. looked, I looked very cool in that. So uh, mm -hmm. Callum looked I'm basically actually, the same. I'm going to set that as my profile picture. On <laughs> <Good man. laughs> I mean, it doesn't look any different from how you normally look, but... Mm -hmm. Connor's depiction as well. That's how I picture him in my mind. Dan would definitely say that as well. That's how he? he comes. Everybody assumes that Connor dresses in a suit 24 7. That's how he normally dresses. He turns up in a robe and then dress, you know, he gets changed. Let's go to the next one. I have a Comics Corner question for Connor and Harry, if either of you happen to see this video. Would you ever consider discussing either yeah. Nemesis the Warlock or the Tick? Of those two, I've only heard of The Tick, and oh. I am aware of it being a, a fun superhero parody, I think. So I'd be interested in talking about it sometime in the future. You know, I'm not going to cross anything off the list, but we'll, uh, we'll see about it when we get to it. Okay. He's now looking at a half-black baby, and he's grinning broadly. He's very happy about this, and the wife's boyfriend bursts in. What? Sees the half black baby, and um, yeah, oh, and, and the husband is and now. And it turns out the husband and the boyfriend are a gay couple. <laughs> you are not the father. What? Where is that? That was so <laughs> absurd and bizarre. I love it. <laughs> He send more mobile ads. He's eating baby. <laughs> That's amazing. Are we on the written comments now? Yep. Okay. So, uh, Russian garbage human says, Abuela! Um, the shadow band has tipped $33. Thank you very much. Happy three years, Josh. Oh, that's very nice. Thank you. And uh, thank you for donating the $33. I'm sure we'll get some uh, tea, coffee, maybe even some drinks for the Christmas party. Um, Phil Rigby says, merch has arrived already and looking good. Cheers, lads. I'm, I'm glad you like it. And uh, Rue the Day says, happy International Men's Day for yesterday, fellas. Um, I, um, heart eye emojis. So there we go. Happy International Men's Day. I was living it. Okay. Comments for me. Matt says, libertarians understand that the promise of material comfort cannot be realized through Marxist utopianism, but rather through the free market. Capitalism is clearly the best way to run an economy. But as an, a conservative, I would argue that a nation is more than just its economy. and The economy should be subordinate to virtue and other higher immaterial values, even if it comes at the expense of economic growth, even perhaps at the expense of material wealth. This does not mean planned economies or ideologies sinking towards market forces, but rather the elevation of principles above commerce. No, I, I mean, I'm I a libertarian. That. I'm a libertarian. I don't think that material goods are all that. I'm actually, you know, not that materialistic. I think material goods are still important, but it should be up to you. And the problem here is that if you have the state involved in this sort of thing, then you, you're enforcing your will on other people. And even if you think you're correct, and maybe you can even prove objectively somehow in some sort of magical world where you could, um, people are going to resent it and react against it. So the best way to promote virtues is by leading a virtuous life in my mind and perhaps advising people in, in a good-natured way rather than forcing it upon them or chastising them and saying, you're an idiot, you're terrible. Like, 
because then they won't listen. See, I would say I broadly agree with this comment. And um, I agree that planned economies do position the material above all else. And as well as putting the material uh, concerns above everything, are really bad at fulfilling those material needs Soviet Union's when, they try, example, to, when yeah. they try to fulfill them. And also, that the, the, the more wholesome society that you're describing there, where people do have better values and put immaterial things across, has been completely destroyed by top-down government initiatives, uh, repealing all of those things and making it illegal in many cases to cherish the things that you, uh, that you want to put above material values. For instance, governments uh, forcing kids to have to go into school to a certain age and making it more and more difficult to homeschool your own children. That has been something that's been a top-down initiative from the government that was probably positioned as an innovation when it first started. Oh, you don't have to raise your kids yourself. You don't have to educate them yourself. You can send them to the school and we can offset all of the costs. You don't have to put as much... Go down the mines. Yeah, yeah you can go down the mines, but it's all ended up in the world that we live in today. Mm -hmm. So Kevin Fox says, uh, these leftists created ministries Millet is going to ditch are no different to what we have in the UK. Only difference is we call... Uh, the snivel serpents, uh, 500,000 people with uh, gilt-edged pensions and um, harder to get rid of than bedbugs in a Bangkok knocking shop. Wow, that was yep. quite the tongue twister. But yes, our, it seems like our civil servants are, are like limpets upon the state, aren't they? They're going to be very difficult to get rid of. Oh, they, they absolutely despise you and your values. Like I was covering last week with the anonymous person who sent in a uh, letter to the Telegraph, I think it was, who said he worked for the Home Office mm -hmm. and revealed that the inner workings of the Home Office is they hate you and they don't want to do what they're employed to do. Yes. Matt P says, a gay Jew for Palestine would be a good analogy for a leftist economist. Josh, thank you. I had a, a brain fart, so I'm, I'm glad you came up with a good analogy. And um, I'm going to read one more from my... Actually, we got a little bit of time. Yeah, we've got some time. We've got time. I'll, I'll read a couple more then. Um, Zombie Philip, I'm not going to read the whole name. Um, what are, are you scrolling doing, Callum? through these, Callum? <laughs> for people listening. The presidential what? pump epic classical of... workout playlist. I've been scrolling what? through YouTube suggested videos. There are some good suggested videos. What's this? One Oi. hour of medieval M&M. The real Slim Shady. <laughs> meant to be reading comments, I'm going to save that for later, though. Presidential <laughs> what, pump workout. On, on John's YouTube wait, account. Wait, wait, wait. One, one hour of silence occasionally interrupted by Lego R2-D2. <laughs> <laughs> I just heard John, then. John just lent Giggling. out let out a monkey <laughs> shriek in the back. Right, um... Zombie Philip says, uh, this just in, The Guardian misunderstands that um, to be a dictator, you must dictate things. You can't just uh, be one if you're relinquishing control. Absolutely true. Um, Alexander Drake, uh, Millet talked a good game. Let's see if he actually follows through or is a disappointment like every other person who ran for office on a based platform. Yes, I am very worried about that, but I'm hopeful as well because he's also got that sort of crazy guy energy that um, has made the regime nervous and that makes me happy. Right, one more. Um, Arizona Desert Rat. Um, the only way libertarianism will spread is when it's successful and the media honestly reports on said success. If the media portrays it as a failure, then it will be seen as a failure and people won't want it. That is a concern of mine as there you well. Go. I expect you to be the media personality. I am the media. Honestly reporting on whatever goes of down I am. in Argentina. I expect you to be keeping an eye on it and reading between the lines and looking at the actual information and data. Yes. Facts go. and logic. Nothing else. Right, on my segment, Omar Awad says, if there's one good thing that's come out of the Israel-Palestine conflict, it's that anti-Semitism has been so overused so quickly and so frivolously 
that it's become about as important as calling someone racist. Yeah, yeah, everything is racist. Everything is anti-Semitic. But when everything is, nothing is. That's a very good point. And I saw something hilarious the other day that I'm going to just double check because I shared, I retweeted it. Uh, and it should be on my, um, on my page on Twitter because it was, it was hilarious. Yeah, here, here it was. So David Freeman, who used, Friedman, who used to be the US ambassador to Israel, was being interviewed by Mark Lamont Hill, you know, the completely insane leftist BLM type. Mm-hmm. But he was being inter- interviewed about Israel and Hamas. And Mark Lamont Hill, far from being a crazy nutter in the interview, actually asked him some pretty legitimate questions, including, say, um, proof over particular claims that he was making about the Israel-Palestine conflict. And without missing a beat, David Freeman says, what, you're asking me for proof? Are we going to go down this Holocaust denial line of argument right here? And the guy says, he'll just goes, <laughs> Sounds like Bernie Sanders. <laughs> he'll just goes, I asked you for proof. I'm not denying the Holocaust. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm going to use that in every debate I ever have from now on. <laughs> Someone asked for proof. What are you, Holocaust denial? <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, Lord Nerevar says, it's nice how every few months we get a case of a high-profile person noticing and it always goes thermonuclear with people trying to shut them down. I'm reminded of shut it down. Elon Musk is different because he literally can't be shut down. He owns the website where all the shutting down usually happens. Now what left is retards. Once again, it's even bigger than that. The US government and economy is completely dependent on him. So they can't shut him down. Not unless they want to tank all of their global initiatives and space initiatives and the economic initiatives that they've got going. They can't disconnect from it. JJHW says it's hilarious that IBM, who automated the Nazi concentration camps with their holorith machines, is going after Elon for saying something against Jews. Pot meat kettle. Very funny. Arizona Desert Rat and the public laughed when SpaceX was started. Now the government has to rely on a private company to send equipment into orbit. Yep. Speaker, uh, speaker's corner, Josh the Jew, says, as an Orthodox Jew, I must say that Musk is completely right. The leftist Jews are responsible for a huge amount of hatred against white people, especially the English. And I disavow the leftists. Thank you very much for that. And that's a great example of what I'm talking about here, which is that they are not a monolith. Mm-hmm. No one group is a complete monolith. There will be divisions and divides within these groups. And so saying, by the way, here's a load of leftist organizations that explicitly classify themselves as Jewish, who hate the West and want to destroy parts of the West and want to gin up hatred against white people, does not mean that you're saying every single person who is Jewish supports with uh, supports and agrees with those organizations. I think it's the left just um, trying to say that as a rhetorical device I, I think to it's shut the, people down. The ADL and other organizations mm. use it as a, as a defense mechanism. Mm. Grant Gibson, so now we know what it takes for the White House to condemn anti-Semitism without mentioning Islamophobia in the same breath. It just has to be someone they don't like. Absolutely correct. Theodore Brewer, Disney being anti-Semitic is a communist talking point due to the leader of the Communist Animators Union being a secular Jew. Walt Disney did nothing wrong. Yeah, Walt, Walt Disney himself was a very patriotic American. Matt underscore says, Elon Musk is being used as a lightning rod for left-wing complaints of anti-Semitism because they would otherwise have had to criticize Muslim immigrants or continue doing what they have done hitherto. Made nebulous allusions to a general rise in anti-Semitism apparently emanating from the ether. Yep. And uh, one more, Alexander Dake says, the whole Elon situation is very interesting. The whole Israel thing has got a lot of white people sick of the double standard. A lot of Jewish groups have been part of the anti-white propaganda push for years, and now suddenly many of these same groups and people are demanding that we care about Israel being attacked and supposed uh, rising anti-Semitism. Happy to see the Overton window shifted enough for this to be mainstream discourse. And that is interesting. Whenever Elon does comment 
on any subject, that it re- because of how much influence the man has, it forces everybody to shift their perspective and start talking about it in ways that previously were completely verboten. So that's, that's always interesting. It's the, the Elon effect. Would you like to do some reading, Callum? Callum can't read. Should we watch YouTube videos instead? Well, We've got three minutes until <laughs> people the end. Have, people have sent comments yeah, to Callum, so you should not. probably right, If I finish them, them, then we can read, then we can watch YouTube videos. Well, we can <laughs> watch one YouTube video if uh, you finish your comments in time. Well, <laughs> it's a, one of them is a playlist that's an hour long, so I don't know if you want to make that promise, but all right. Arizona Desert Rad says, careful, Callum, using facts and logic will make some people's brains melt. Anonymous Man says, Walt Disney was not an anti-Semite, he was anti-union, and the unions were being run by Jewish groups. They took the opportunity to smear him as an anti-Semite because he didn't kowtow to the unions. Okay. Walt Disney also never had any fascist sympathies either. Walt Disney was an American nationalist and was a great American man of his time. Yeah, you should go and listen if you haven't. His um, witness testimony to the McCarthy trials is just hilarious. Yeah, House on American Activities group. Um, yeah, a lot of people use that clip of, I think it's Donald Duck uh, manufacturing Nazi propaganda as say, see, he was... He was an anti-Semite. This was pro-Nazi propaganda. But yeah, that's a nightmare he's having. And then he wakes up and becomes an American patriot. Seen Three Little Pigs? (laughs) Uh, No, I haven't. You haven't seen the Three Little Pigs? There's one from 1949 and there's one from 1933 from the Walt Disney Corporation. Oh, really? Okay. There's a change there, yeah. You'll have to show me some of that. Uh, So the wolf who comes and blows your house down, of course, he gets the pig who lives in the uh, brick house. So to get in, he obviously can't just blow it down. So he disguises himself as a merchant ah, selling merchant. brushes. And he says he's giving out free samples. So, As a Minecraft merchant? No. Villager? No. Oh, okay. No, as a local um, man of the tribe. Oh, okay. Uh, but the, the joke actually is that obviously he's disguising himself as something that's not threatening to pigs because Jews don't eat pork. That's the joke. But it ended up becoming just being like, ah, how could you put this guy as a Jew? As if he's devious because he's a wolf? It's like, but that wasn't the comedy. That didn't make sense. So, whatever. Peter says, finally, a new installment of All Cultures Are Beautiful. Taco Sam says, so when does the sitter take over? Sitar. Oh, well, that is. Takes over a banjo as the internet's uh, interment of incest? The instrument of incest. I think there's a misspelling there. I can't read. But I definitely you, can't read oh, things that are misspelled. Would, would you like me to read it for you? No. <laughs> okay. No. If you sound well, out the words. Good, if you just, you know, the, 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 the sand noise. And the, and the, you know, the Middle Eastern noise whenever the movie's set in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. That, every time we talk about incest and said, <laughs> is right. We need to get some, a band in the background, <laughs> squeeze them behind the video wall somewhere. Omar says, I bet a great many Pakistani men are researching the Miss Universe entry. My God, she has an OnlyFans. I must investigate immediately. Wait, does she really? <laughs> I'm sure she doesn't. Probably not. Anyway, I did my, I did my work. All right, let's, let's check out the presidential pump. <laughs> an epic. We're already over time. <laughs> I just want to see what this is. It's just, uh, I could see this working actually the gym. What's really nice about this, you can see someone's listening. I like that Washington has mm. HGH GUP. But most people they don't watch the first one, but they listen to all the rest. So people are actually working out to the whole thing. <laughs> That's what I you can tell from that. Mm-hmm. That's great. It's got almost but, half a million views. I think that is all we have time for. And uh, thank you very much for watching. And of course, you can find us tomorrow at the same time, 1pm GMT. Thank you for watching and goodbye.